All right. So I am Roy Fur. This is Breakthrough Marketing Secrets. And as you can see, if you're watching, uh, I am here with Kim Krause Schwalm, A list copywriter. And we're just going to dive right in with the first question. Get so when on I, there. Copy insiders. <laughs> okay. Yes. When when I reached out to you, you said, Roy, I would love to do an interview with you. It's been a while, uh, but it's going to be a few weeks because, well, I'm not around. So you and your husband just got back from what sounds like an incredible trip. Uh, something that made me think of lifestyles of the rich and famous. Wow, that's a terrible <laughs> Australian accent, but lifestyles of the rich and famous or lifestyles of an A-list copywriter. So Kim, could we just start, like, could you share about that trip? And importantly, like, how did copywriting make it possible? Well, absolutely. Um, yeah, we had a three-week vacation. Um, actually, I had a, we also had a two-week vacation back in late June, July. And we also had a one-week vacation in May. I mean, so it's probably adding up already to six weeks that I've taken off this year. Um, and I actually had a similar year in 2019, which was sort of a big year for us because it was the 25th anniversary. So we had all these other great trips. But, you know, when you are your own boss, you're in charge. Uh, the one thing you have to remember is, and I remember getting this advice many years ago from a family friend who was a stockbroker. He said the most, the, the biggest expense you have with the vacation is the cost of your time off away from your business. Yes. And when I do take time off, I 99% completely not checking into work. I mean, I might check email, might respond to a few quick things. Once in a while, I'll send a quick email or something out to my list, but almost always there's zero work. You know, it's a complete unplug. And so, yeah, I have to plan well in advance. I have to get my things done. But, you know, over the years, I have mostly pursued, um, I don't just write for, you know, a fee. There's usually some kind of royalty, or other ongoing incentive involved. So I literally have like at least, even though I'm really not even doing much client work at all these days, I have like nine controls, all paying me royalties. You know, some I wrote, last even touched or edited a word on like back in 2011 and they're still mm -hmm. paying me royalties. So I come home and there's royalties in my bank account. There's, you know, income from the courses that I've launched or promoted and queued up in advance. So yeah, that's how I'm able to do it. These are the proven direct response, marketing, copywriting, and entrepreneurship success strategies you can use today to write your own ticket and create the life you want. I am Roy Fur, and this is Breakthrough Marketing Secrets. Now, here's today's breakthrough. And, and you know, just having that freedom to be able to do that is what a lot of us, why we got into copywriting. I mean, initially, it was for a lot of other reasons besides being able to travel. But now that we're empty nesters, we can we can do this. My husband's retired. and so Yeah, absolutely. So free, uh, I mean, freedom looks very different at different stages. At different but... stages. I mean, for me, a big freedom thing. I know we'll probably talk about this later, you know, kind of like my why and why did I get into this? You know, I had my first child. I went back to work. I was completely mommy tracked after like a completely stellar career. I was making a hundred K a year base, like back in 1998, it was a high paying job, you know, but I was like miserable and this is terrible. And it wasn't so much that, Oh, I missed my child. I mean, obviously I missed my child, but it was just to be, to feel like, you know, I'm going to just work 50 hours a week and barely see my kid and for what, right? So I that's when I finally took the leap to freelancing. And I got to the point within a few years, mostly thanks to royalties and climbing the copywriting ladder, that I was working 20, 25 hours a week and making at least three or four times as much. So, you know, that was sort of my why then. You know, I want to be the one that take my kids to school and pick them up and then no work after that, you know? Yeah, my my freelance lifestyle. Like I still have kids at home. I'm not an empty nester yet. But that it mm -hmm. one of one of the things that I decided with my wife early on as I was transitioning to freelance was that that was part of the the freedom that I was doing this for. And so three days a week I drop the kids off at school. Two days a week I pick them up. And it's I mean that's that's yeah. what we get to choose, right? It's um, it's a lovely way to balance things. I mean, it's so, it's such a overused word and especially for most women, but also men, you know, it's, it's like this impossible dream of balance, but I literally felt like I found balance. Like, wait a minute. I mean, I can have a happy, you know, exciting, interesting, very well-paying job. And I don't have to like 
you know, be this corporate wage slave, you know, and working 50 hours a week and wondering when I can take my child to a doctor's appointment if I get permission from a freaking boss, you know. <laughs> awesome. Well, let's let's do the formal introduction, and okay. I have a lot more questions here. So Kim Krause Schwalm, uh, A-list copywriter. She's the founder of Get Dangerously Good Copywriting Training and of the Mentoring. Get Dangerously Good Copywriting Training and Mentorship Hub. Uh, she helps copywriters, marketers, and business owners become dangerously good at their craft and master the techniques, client management skills, and CEO mindset that will make them A-list exceptional in their industry. I like um, long sentences. <laughs> yes, yes. We can I'll do a run on since the best that of us. Down. <laughs> over, over the past two decades, Kim has built a reputation as one of the top direct response writers in the country. That's how I discovered her. She's racked up dozens of successful direct mail and online controls, beating legendary copywriters and becoming the first female copywriter to get a boardroom control. Her copy has graced the pages of companies all over the globe, like Soundview, Bottom Line, National Geographic, Green Valley Natural Solutions. She's spoken on stage at top tier conferences like Copy Chief Fly, uh, the Copy Accelerator Club. we just mentioned. Yep. Yeah. Copy Accelerator. Um, Kim has, uh, Kim also helped build the Healthy Direction supplement business to today's equivalent of more than $40 million in sales in the first three years. Yeah. And as a freelancer, her copy has generated more than $700 million in revenue for her clients. Um, we will talk about where to get more from Kim at the end of this, but she does have a website at kimschwalm.com. And there is some excellent, excellent uh, giveaways and bonuses that she's offering for uh, my my listeners and viewers at the end of this. So Kim, uh, let's let's start here. In your bio, you talked about becoming a becoming A-list exceptional. What does it mean to be A-list exceptional? I think when you've competed at the highest levels of copywriting, and while there are definitely levels like that now, you know, when you go back, and it makes me sound old, but you go back 15 years or 20 years when everybody had to live and die by the strength of their direct mail promos. Yeah. You know, and direct mail is a much bigger commitment financially than slopping something up on an online page, right? I mean, I, Anybody can do that. I can do that. I have lead pages. I can slop stuff up there, right? My yes. stuff's pretty good. But um, but yeah, you can slop <laughs> anything up there, right? And but you know, back in the day, it was like at least 50 cents just to put the postage on and print the darn thing, you know, and then yeah. you know, whatever. So my point is, you know, it was the main driver for for many businesses. They lived or died by the strength of their direct mail campaigns. They were willing to pay good money. They invested heavily. It was a huge cost. And you had to go up against some of the best, most legendary copywriters if you wanted to, you know, have a control. I mean, I went up against Jim Rutz and first time I bombed. And luckily <laughs> the client came back six months later, said, you know, we're going to hire you over again to write another package. And on that second try, boom, I beat Jim Rutz. So, you know, I went on to then beat um, a, a control that Paris Propolis had written for um, boardroom, which you know allowed me to become the first female copywriter, and these were all at the time very legendary, hard to even break into companies. So, you know, all of that is completely applicable to the type of copy that we use online. And so, yeah, I think there was there's sort of this almost PhD education and just the level of quality required. I mean, there was so much scrutiny over every single word on anything. Well, that you put Just out for, there, you know, for context, like there is almost no cost to start sending traffic to, let's say, a ClickFunnels funnel or whatever, right? Like, right. there's almost no cost to putting up a web page with an offer, um, no incremental cost to doing that. But in direct mail, oftentimes these companies were spending. $20,000, $25,000 per copywriter just for the fees and oh, yeah. hiring two or more copywriters. So let's let's just say $40,000. And that's before they spent a cent right. on media. And to get any decent volume to make a predictive uh, guess about which piece is You'd going to You'd have to, to mail at least 20 to, to 30,000 pieces in each Tesla, you know, at, Tesla. At a dollar per piece mailed. Yeah. Yep. So Including we're talking- the most rental and everything else. Yep. Easily, easily a hundred thousand dollars just yep. to run a test. Yep. Um, and and so that requires a it, it requires a different um entry level looks very different 
<laughs> well, it's not just the answer, though. Like I said, it was just the amount of scrutiny and the number of drafts. I mean, I, you know, and just getting it, it had to be perfect, you know, as perfect as possible. And they already knew some of these were going to just bomb. I mean, some of I saw what always made me feel better when I had my bombs, you know, and we all have them. I mean, no matter how high yeah. up we get, as I would even see that, you know, there'd be big name copywriters and there, you know, this is, you know, this was one of the benefits of being on the inside of a major direct marketing company and on the marketing side, which is what I was, you know, you could see that they would have things that bombed or didn't work. And sometimes it was the product. Sometimes it's just, they took too big a risk. Nobody could hundred percent predict what was going to work or not, but it's like, that's how you get the winners. You test, you fail, you test, you fail, and boom, you get a huge winner. So there was that understanding that it was a lot of, you controlled everything that you could control as much as you could, but there was a lot of unknowns. Yes, absolutely. And the result is, you know, go go through that a few times and you become a dangerously good copywriter. <laughs> and we should put like a trademark on that for you. Um, so what do you think are the most important traits or guiding principles for someone to become like a dangerously good copywriter? What is it? What does it really take? I mean, today it's easy to get copy online, but to become dangerously good. Um, what, well, what's that? You know, honestly, you know, one of the there's a number of things that come to mind. One of the first things that came to mind, ironically, is humility. I see a lot of people out there. Or I hear a lot of you know, you see them in the Facebook groups or whatever. And they, they think they're just hot, you know what, right? And yeah. as soon as you start to feel like that, like you're just going to get knocked down. Like that's just one of my experience from business and copywriting and life in general, right? And so you have to have, I mean, even the, the top, top copywriters I've worked with or know as friends, you know, they're the ones sitting in a conference listening to a copywriter who's like maybe 20 years younger and they're writing down notes and they're <laughs> constantly learning and you know, you, you, you never feel that, you know, everything and you're, you know, you're always curious. And so you go in like, you know, with a client, you want to dig everything out. You can, I mean, research is definitely a huge secret weapon that I have and many other top copywriters, but I think that, um, you know, don't get too big for your britches, basically. I guess that's an old yeah. <laughs> phrase. Well, so, so this is interesting. I know that there are a ton of copywriters, like, I mean, thinking Eugene Schwartz, I could go back to Robert Collier, um, a lot of more recent copywriters that mm -hmm. have had some level of interest in like various meditation, mindfulness traditions. And there's the whole like learning to keep your ego in check or kill your ego. Or um, the way that I like to think of it is a strong enough ego that you are not, you, you're not like uh, a strong enough sense of self that you're not uh, caught up in that people have to see me in a certain way. Right. right. So do you have, do you have any kind of like um, background or interest that's like pulled you into this realization that like, Oh, you have to be humble. Like you have to, you have to like, not get mean, your ego caught up in this. I or... would just say it was more kind of in my, um, I mean, I was like a very young manager. You know, I mentioned we mentioned okay. in my bio that I helped launch this highly successful supplement division. And I was like basically running it at one point with about, I don't know, 10 or 12 employees. Yeah. And I kind of thought I was a little bit of hot, you know what, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I kind of got knocked down. I remember we had like this 360 degree feedback, Jerry Bell, you know, and I was like reading these verbatims. I'm like, <laughs> you know, um, so I think that kind of made me much more self-aware is like, oh, you know, um, but like another great example of the humility, the why you need to be humble is, you know, let's say somebody hires me or hires you and we go in and yeah, they're, they're hiring us because we have a great reputation and track record. But are you going to just go in there and act like you're a freaking know-it-all and tell them my idea is the best and we're going to do this way? No, you're going to be collaborative when they give yeah. when you turn your when they give you back your draft. You're going to accept their feedback. I mean, obviously, if there's things that you disagree, you're going to challenge or say, "Did you think of this?" or "Here's why I did it this way." But you're going to be receptive and open to feedback because my some you know most many of my most successful controls they're not like 100 just me. It's like that whole collaboration with the client. And being able to listen and work and accept feed, you know, work with them and accept feedback. So that's another reason where the humility, you know, comes into play. Yeah, I love, I love also when you're dealing with a marketing manager who's like this. And I'm, I'm thinking specifically about um, Cindy Butehorn, who you right. worked with Cindy. Oh yeah, and, and I know Kathy well. at you know, inside the Phillips umbrella. Um, yeah. And and 
Cindy is always great about like, here's my feedback. And she's always, you know, she'll tell it like she sees it. Right. right. But she also, um, there, there's this, this give and take of, if you have an idea you want to fight for, like be humble as the copywriter, yeah. but also fight for your ideas. So it's, it is this collaborative process where you, um, as, especially as you start to develop a reputation, you, you can push a little bit back and you, you may suggest, Hey, could we test a couple of things or whatever? Exactly. And that's usually the best compromise, obviously too, Yeah, you know, is let's test a few things. I mean, if you get too much into a client pleasing or people pleasing thing, you're kind of doing them a disservice. So there is, you know, you want to be humble, but you also, like you said, you're going to stand up and say, here are my ideas. Here's why I'm doing this. Like, here's what I believe will work, you know, based on my research or analysis or whatever it is. Um, but you know, sometimes we used to joke, I mean, sometimes if a client like loved your copy too much, we'd be like, oh crap, you know, you know, it's never good. You know, that's not going to work. Like I remember having Marty Edelston once love this promo I wrote for bottom line personal. And I was like, oh crap, you know, and (laughs) sure enough, it didn't beat the control, (laughs) (laughs) but then I had like the one that beat Jim Rutz for a financial newsletter. Yeah. I remember the editor. Um, he told me after the fact, after one that, you know, beat the control, it became the new control. He was like, yeah, I really don't like that package. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know, I don't really care. Just keep paying yeah. the loyalties and <laughs> <laughs> sorry, you don't like it. <laughs> you so, know, that's usually a good sign. <laughs> yeah. So let's, let's dig into like the whole copywriting process, copywriting thing, like the, the actual projects and what they look like. And so I, I kind of want to start just for reference. Um, so you came, came up in direct mail, but um, today, I don't know what percentage of your stuff is more direct mail, what percentage is online first. So could you just describe the type of promos that you write? What are the actual deliverables and a lot of your copywriting projects? Just so we can start with a sense of that. Well, sure. I mean, I'm really not doing a lot of active copywriting these days because I am kind okay. of moving more towards this little semi-retirement. And I have another whole new interest, which we can get into um, in a little bit that's sort of related to copywriting. And then, of course, I have my mentoring program. I have my trainings. Um, but most of what I'm hired to do is strictly online. Um, okay. You know, long-form sales pages. Uh, but the, the funny thing is, I, I mean, like I mentioned, I have all these controls. Some are like back to 2011. I've, you know, for like, for example, for Soundview slash Advanced Bionutritionals, which is their supplement division, I have multiple promos I wrote originally for direct mail Magalogs that word for word have been just used, you know, repurposed as an online sales page. I even have one that's been running for a few years now uh, for Circo2, a nitric oxide boosting supplement that word for word was made into a produced VSL. It's just Excellent. literally... The running copy is the video script. So, you know, you know, so a lot of this stuff is even the direct mail stuff is used online, like the uh, the direct mail promo for a digestive supplement that I wrote 11 years ago, still mails every once in a while, but they use it as an online sales page, too. So, yeah, it's a big important lesson I want to add here that a good friend of mine learned the hard way, like 10 years ago, at least. It was whenever we, we started transitioning from like strictly direct mail to starting to do online. And she had written a financial promo for a very big name company. I won't, not, won't say who. And she had written one of the most successful option trading, like newsletter promos that they'd had. And it was direct mail. She was getting all these great royalties, but she did not put in there what her royalties would be if it was used online in her mm-hmm. agreement. And then they transitioned it over and they were using it as a highly successful sales page and they would not pay her a penny in royalties for that. So oh. immediately, every single the contract I ever started sending out for anybody, it's like, if it's they're hiring you for online, always put in there what the deal is if they convert it to a direct mail promo and vice versa, direct mail, always put in there. And if it's used online, this is what you owe me. Well, we're never going to use it that way. I'm just going in the contract. <laughs> I don't care. That's- that that's a nice little tip. I think that is a tip um, that could literally save somebody tens of thousands of dollars. So there you go. Yeah. You got your value, but keep listening. There you go. So <laughs> so if I, I do I, I do want to keep like going like like hashing yeah. through this copywriting process because I, I mean one one of the one of the huge values that you have versus a lot of people who came up as online copywriters is 
you have had to go against controls. Like so many times with online yeah. copy, it, it seems like, oh, we're just looking for a new thing, right? And maybe there's kind of a control or something that worked before, but it's not the same kind of like, uh, Kim, you're going up against Jim Rutz, right. who is this incredible copywriter. Who is no longer and, with us, so we don't have to worry yeah. about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, and you have to beat the Jim Rutz controller. Right. You have to beat the right. Paris Lampropolis. Um, So... For most people, that's just a terrifying idea. Um, what is your process? Number one, so you're not completely terrified, but also number two, so you're more likely to to come out the winner in in the end of that. Again, I mentioned it earlier. Research is huge. There are so many copywriters who just give it short shrift, and then you see their copy, and you can see that it kind of sounds like everything else out there. It's very shallow. It doesn't get into you know, I mean, you don't want to write a scientific paper. And I do write a lot of stuff, obviously, yeah. in the supplement industry. But you have to be able to, to find that amazing claim that you can legally say, right, yeah. um, about your product. You've got to do some digging. And, you know, and sometimes you, you need a different claim than everybody else is putting out there, right? Maybe about a particular hot nutrient. So, um, or maybe you have a control that's starting to fatigue a little and you want to take advantage of, you know, hey, there's a new angle here. What support do I have for that? And like one example is a couple of years ago when COVID was really, you know, coming this huge thing and everybody was concerned about immunity. I had this long running control for Circo too, which I actually still do and decided we wanted to try an immunity angle. So I start digging in to my research and pulling up study. And then I found out the study, it was a long process, but I finally was able to interpret it as, you know, it would kill a hundred times more viruses and I couldn't say virus, but you know, basically on the spot, right? Okay. This nitric oxide thing. I was like, suddenly I had this big new claim we put that just, we didn't even change the sales page. We just put it in an email. It increased revenue by like, I forget, like 20 some percent. Like it was like, literally I made like $50,000 more in royalties over the next six months because all I did was write a new email, but I dug out a new angle with this really unassailable, exciting claim and proof. Right. I love that. So that yeah, is like a really dra dramatic, not, it doesn't always result in that, but that is the kind of edge that doing the research, and it's not just studies, it's interviewing your client, it's interviewing whoever the, you know, let's say you're selling a guru and their advice, you know, whether they're a doctor or a financial person, um, it, it's like if it's a newsletter, you're going through everything they've written, you know, in the last couple of years, you become like this expert, you've just soaked it up, you've gone through, you've talked to customers, you've, you know, looked at, you know, your prototypes out on forums, et cetera. And you, you know what I mean? Like that yeah. gives you the confidence and the knowledge and that power, you know, than someone who's just freaking dialing it in, which again, if you're going up against the other A-listers, they're doing the same kind of thing, but you know, that's not that's that hard things. to have a huge advantage now because there's a lot of people who just don't really put the work in, you know? Yeah. I'm working with a newer copywriter and I don't want to, I don't want to be too hard on him and I'm not saying anything I didn't already say to him directly, but um, he was in a situation where he didn't have the research yet, um, but he was trying to write beyond the lead. Like we had some teases of the research and the lead, but he was he was trying to write beyond the lead. And because he hadn't done that research, it was just repetition of promises and like making it fluffier, right? Uh -huh. um, and so he agreed, like he got to a point in, in the writing process and in, in writing the pitch part of the promo where he was just like, it's not working. Like, I don't know what to say here. And oftentimes that is that is the thing. Like, if you don't know what to say, it's because you don't have anything worth talking about yet. Right. And the answer to that is research, right? Right. Right. Um, so how do you, how do you like, so you talked a lot and, and I mean, I'm a student of, of all the great copywriters who emphasize proof. So um, I'm I'm all about proof and credibility and all those elements. One thing that I've noticed a lot more recently is a lot of research into like a prototypical customer story, um, at avatar type story or a real customer story. So how how do those play into your copywriting process too? Like, um, I mean, are are you digging out a lot of stories too? In addition to like, you know, that one line, that one claim out of a, a study. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely, you know, we're definitely wired for stories as humans. Um, a story lead is just one of like six 
leads that I typically are my go-to types of leads. So it's not like every single promo I write has the, oh, they brought him in in an ambulance and, you know, yeah. last breath or, you know, it's like, you know, and this yeah. is kind of cliche after a while, you know, um, but I, I, I like to use them sometimes. I, my, my approach is not to let it go on too long because we are, as human beings, we are basically self-centered creatures. It's kind yeah. of like, okay, it's interests me at first, but kind of what's in it for me. Like, don't wait too long to bring them into the story, to bring them into the, you know, that you're talking to them. In one person is a one-to-one communication. You know, I didn't turn in to watch some TV show. Like, you know, this is, you know, it's got to hold my attention. It's got to speak to me. So yes. I have used stories. I've had to, because of the kind of clients I work with, make sure they're real stories. I've yes. had to, you know, um, I can't just make crap up, you know, and, uh, but yeah, they've been very effective. And, and again, sometimes I, you know, you have to find them through your research. Like I, one I did recently for something that's like heart related, you know, I found a comment on an article in like the Harvard heart letter, you know, and it was okay. like online and I was able to just kind of go with that story and yeah. use that as a such, you know what I mean? And, uh, Another one I found in a book online, and it was for a, a, a brain, you know, memory type supplement. And it was a very dramatic, dramatic story. Um, but I was, because of the treatment was addressing this chemical in her brain that the supplement also did, like that was my connection to the supplement. Because that's the other big part is how do I connect this now to my product? You yeah. know, the story I found out in the wild, like I did one for... Um, uh, an anti-aging supplement and it was the twin astronauts, right? It was like, okay, so how do the Mark Kelly and his brother and the one guy came back from space and he had aged so much more and what happened and how do I tie that back? And, you know, I had to really dig, but I was like, oh, wait, it's because of the, whatever, the cert to whatever hormone, you know, and that's what this supplement addresses. So, you know, you got to be able to tie it back to your product, these stories. In, it just in, like way out of left field. It's kind of like, oh, you just told me this story and now it has nothing to do with things, you know? Yeah. One of the best pieces of advice that I've gotten for this, because I mean, you and I, like I've written way more financial stuff and I, I believe you've written more health than financial. Yeah. Um, <laughs> one of the things is, is as the copywriters, we need to basically be able to justify everything in court. Hopefully we never have to, right? You know, um, 20, 20 some years, I still haven't had to go to court. I've only had one thing ever be questioned. It was only because they were doing this thing on the phone that created, it had nothing to do with me. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but then like, oh, what's with this copy? Oh, crap. But a good piece of copy that's <laughs> submit, when it's submitted to the client for, you know, various reviews, including legal and compliance review is going to have citations of all the claims right. made and all of that. So uh, let's talk about big ideas for a second here. Um, how do you know? So so you're doing all this research, you're, you're, all the thoughts are swirling in your head, right? You've, you've, you've taken a hundred pages of notes, you've clipped a whole bunch of articles, et cetera. How do you know when you've found your winning big idea? So, I mean, it's a lot of different like litmus tests. I mean, the first one is, does that make me stop and go, what, or huh, or really, or, you know what yeah. I mean? Does it stop me in my tracks in some way? Okay. Like, oh, yes. that sounds, that's different or wow, you know, really, you know? Um, so, and then it's like, can I, you know, provide enough backup or proof? Can I link it to my product? You know, um, I mean, those are all kind of the litmus tests, but the first thing is, you know, what I just said, like, does it stop me in my tracks? Does it really stand out? Okay. So you're, you're looking for that, that almost gut level reaction. Yeah. I know Marty Edelston had his, you know, does this make me vibrate? Right. Exactly. And that can apply to ideas or copy. Um, I got to interview Bill Bonner once and he talked about putting on his prospect hat and just looking for the story that was most compelling to him yeah. as the prospect. Um, but it's still like that same thing. It's the, you know, what causes you to rubberneck like Elvis? Yeah. Does it just make <laughs> you want to hear more? Like, I mean, one of my favorite um, promos is my good friend, Dan Ferrari's anti-aging supplement for Genesis, um, which is we share client with, you know, Green Valley. I, I have like, I've written a lot of different controls for them over the years. And, but this one, I remember first seeing it and I loved how, and I, and I actually had him on one of my mentoring group calls 
And you know, we interviewed him, like, how did you come up with this big idea? And one of the things that he always does is he likes to read a lot of like tangential books, like not necessarily totally related to what he's writing about, but something kind of out there. And he was reading a book about how a lot of Silicon Valley executives were spending all this money researching and using like these high-priced anti-aging therapies. And he came up with a way to link that back to one of the ingredients in the supplement. But, you know, it, it's, it's like it, it starts out with the mansion on the hill and like they're having this elite party with Hollywood stars and the Silicon Valley executives. And they're all there to hear this scientist talk about this $10,000 treatment and all this, but you don't have to pay $10,000. You know, you can get access to this now, right? You know, so it's kind yeah. of like that exclusive exclusivity, you know, and, you know, you're, you're being able to, you know, bypass that and, and get access. So I, I just loved like, that's just such a great, like almost escapist thing, but it's like it ties right in directly with that fantasy of, hey, I can have the same thing that these people are using. They have that unfair advantage that they're having. Like we've used that unfair advantage thing in financial, <laughs> we use it with health, you know. But yeah, I, I mean, that's just one example, but he just literally got the idea from reading a, a totally unrelated book. Yeah. So how much, how much like uh, as part of your process, do you pay attention to? And and I guess for me, it's kind of become unconscious, but um, it's, it's not intentional. You but mean the, subconscious or? I guess uh, yeah. Like, uh, like well, <laughs> s- subconscious and unintentional, but, yeah, but yeah. The, what, what I'm asking, uh, is like, how much do you pay attention to like, oh, what, what news article when you're scrolling through whatever news do you click on or, or oh, yeah, I collect them all the time. I mean, especially when I was more actively writing stuff, like, I mean, you know, like I, on two different occasions for a couple of years at a time, anyway, I had like a a detox supplement control. And I mean, I still collect articles, even though I'm like, well, I don't know, maybe I'll write, I'll reach out and say, Hey, can I write a new lead for my, my, my former control? Because like, if there's something interesting and new about yet another toxin related to some health thing, for example, that could be like a whole other angle that could be used, you know, for that. So yeah, I actively collect like idea files and, you know, for various controls. And when I see, come across something like that, for sure. Yes. I'll save Excellent. it. I'll share it with a client, you know? Yeah. And that, that can even be a great way to, um, get, <laughs> I, I, I did this, uh, with one client in particular, I just sent him a news article and I said, Hey, this would be really interesting to write a promo around. Yeah. And boom, there was a project. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, no, you can do that. I mean, it's easier, obviously, if somebody you already have a relationship with, but it yeah. could be the way in the door where you can say, so, let me do this. Yeah. You've talked about mentors a lot, um, and I want to kind of transition towards some of this, like more business and sure. um, career related. What role have mentors played in your copywriting career? And then, like as an add-on to that, what opportunities are there today to get mentors? And and what what do you if 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 a new copywriter was saying, okay, I want a mentor, what should they look for um, as they're pursuing opportunities? Right. I mean, to me, like the natural evolution of like a mentor is maybe someone that you work with um, or you know personally and they kind of take you a little bit under their wing but you know you might get like a little bit of their time here and there right like it could be the occasional lunch or like i think of when i was in my corporate career you know some of the women that mentored me as an up and coming marketing person right you know we'd yeah. have the lunches and the this and um and then, you know, I think about, you know, like, for example, Carlene Anglai Cole, my good friend, and Clayton, the late Clayton Makepeace, you know, they already had a very established relationship. So when she decided to go freelance, he very much acted as kind of this bridge and mentor to help her along. So I personally didn't really have that when it came to copywriting. I mean, it wasn't like a person that said, oh, we're going to teach you everything I know. And like, you know, um, yeah. but there were people who were generous. Um, you know, I would get to know some people at conferences. Um, Don Houtman, I don't know if you remember him. He wrote, yes. um, what is it, Speak Spanish Like a Diplomat? Very famous mm, ad. That was one of them. Yeah. yeah. And he used to write some copy for Phillips. And I, I remember meeting him at this newsletter conference that used to happen all the time in D.C., and like he would review my copy from time to time. Even David Deutsch like reviewed my copy a few times. And I'd said always send like some giant fruit basket or something to thank them. But you know, I didn't, there weren't like paid mentorship programs or things like that. So um, and there's a lot of different types of mentoring out there. I mean, some of it's just really 
150 people listening into a call. And then there's like a much more personal thing. So, um, yeah, I mean, I offer a small group mentoring that just kind of goes for six months. But as I always tell people at the end, like I will always be your mentor. And I do like they still reach out and this and that. But, you know, it's part I have to charge for it because it's a very concentrated amount of my time, focused amount of time in a short period. And I'm literally taking myself off the market, off projects so that I can do this. Yeah. Um, but yeah, the classic mentoring is more that kind of, you know, a, a, a colleague or a friend or someone who's further along than you. And if you can find somebody like that in your life. I mean, that is extraordinary. Like it can be, you know. Well, it sounds thing. like. It sounds like your path was kind of like mine, where for a long time, I didn't have any kind of formal mentor, either some somebody that I lucked into or um, somebody that I paid for it. But what I did consistently have was like, I went to clients who I really respected what they knew about marketing. Mm-hmm. And so while none of, while many of my mentorships were shorter lived and could have lasted for as long as a copy review, you know, like, um, they, I still consider them a mentorship moment. Um, and so, so like working with, you know, and I can think back before I got into direct response and there's, there's good people there, but like a couple copy reviews from Mark Ford just completely changed the way that I wrote copy. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that's another great point. I mean, I didn't have a formal mentor, but I got a chance to work with some really, really bright people, you know, fairly yeah. early on in my career. And, you know, like working with Boardroom the first few times, you know, I worked with Michelle Walk and Carmen Suarez, you know, the creative team were just brilliant. I, you know, all the promos that I've written over the years for like Soundview, Advanced Bio Nutritionals, every copywriter, it's not just Paris's Cubs, every copywriter works with Paris as their copy chief. <laughs> I've learned so much from him, you know, and having him critique my copy. Um, You know, I got a chance to do a project like directly with Clayton Makepeace at one point, you know, fairly early in my career. And again, just the one or two times that we went through drafts and he looked at my copy. I mean, I still always write every stat, like one in three. I remember him specifically telling me, you know, all these specific things sometimes that we all have, like, I like it this way or that way. But it's like one hyphen in hyphen three, he's like, you know, always do it that way. Okay, Clayton. So like literally every time I write something like that, it's like, Clayton, I'm doing it that way. And I tell all my people now they have to do it that way. You know, that's just like a that's little funny. thing, you know, obviously there's yeah, yeah. things that I learned, you know. So, uh, you know, just, just a couple more important questions that I want to make sure that I give to, uh, that I get to. Sure. So um, you've been talking about how many great clients you've worked with and probably a few bad ones. <laughs> uh, <laughs> really bad. There, there's, 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 there's no bad. I could there. write a book about the book of bad clients. Uh, so, so aside from clients who only want to pay you for one media, when they use your copy, are there any oh. other client red flags to watch out for, you know, without, we, we don't have to name names, but, but, um, <laughs> you know, just, just general ideas for how we can avoid getting ourselves into a bad client situation. Well, so one thing that keeps happening, and again, I keep in touch with all my mentees. I've mentored, like by now, it's almost like 50 people have gone through my different mentoring programs. And I keep in touch with, you know, pretty much everybody. Um, But, you know, one trend seems to be, you know, the company, as soon as they think they're kind of hot or whatever, and they're like, oh, we want to see if you'll write this copy as a test, right? You know, and if we use it, we'll pay you for it or, you know. And I'm not talking about maybe when someone actually wants to offer you a job job with salary and benefits. And I can understand in those circumstances, maybe there's some copy tests that you're going to do. And ideally, they're going to pay you for your time to do it, that kind of thing. But just the idea that you're just going to go around to experienced copywriters and ask them to do stuff on spec for the opportunity to get their foot in the door with you. You know, I that kind of stuff is like, you know, and it's funny because um. I was on vacation as, you know, in Italy for three weeks and my, uh, one of my mentees, you know, had this kind of come up and she's like, I don't know what to do. And I'm like, basically like, here's what, you know, I get 
charge me this much up, you know, I'm going to charge you this much up front. And then there's the performance bonus, et cetera. But, you know, she kept it very reasonable and went back to them. They're like, nah, you know, we're not able to do that. So she's like, okay, fine. I don't think it's going to work out. And then literally the next day she got some great opportunity that came aboard, you know, around that she was able to say yes to. So that's the other thing we'd always forget is like, say no to things because it leaves you open for that next good thing. But that's just one example. I mean, I think when they're just too worried about pricing, to me, it's like, okay, you don't value what copywriters do, or you're going to be one of these anxious clients, like to, you know what I mean? You're going to make me go through 10 rounds because, you know, you're going to be so nervous about what you're investing. I had one person this was about five or six years ago hired me and he was like a doctor who had his own uh, supplement and he was referred to me by somebody else. So I thought, okay, you know, I'll give him a shot. I got my 50% advance. It was like, I don't know, 10 K whatever. And, um, he blew his book like three months or four months out. And then just, I could just tell from some of the emails back and forth, like this was a big amount of money for him. Right. And he was yeah, anxious. Yeah. And I was like, you know, I don't know this. I'm not feeling too good about this. And then one of my other past clients called me like, do you have something available for January? And I was kind of like, so I reached out to the other guy and I'm like, you know, if you don't want to pursue this, I'll actually give you back your $10,000 deposit and we can, and he was almost like relieved and I was relieved and I wanted to just work with yeah. my own quantity, but you know, like I just got the heebie-jeebies, right? You know, I had other, I had another client that I actually did work with where I should, I ignored those heebie-jeebies and it was the same kind of thing where he was just like, you know, over editing my copy yeah. and I'm like, no, you know. Yeah. Our gut feelings can really tell us a lot and it can take experience to learn to listen to them. And oh, we're not always yeah. great about it. Huh? Oh yeah. But I mean, there's, I mean, I, I went for years and years with like no contract. I would just have sort of like a little invoice last contract and would just have the royalty amount and I'd have them sign it, you know, yeah. and there were some payment terms, but now it's like, I've got a very incredible two page contract that covers everything. And yeah. You know, well, way, kill, fees. Way back in- kill fees need to be discussed while you're still in love. It's almost like a prenup, right? Yeah. yeah. And I've only had less than a handful of times you know, over the years of it once had to be applied. But it's like, that's not the kind of stuff you negotiate, you know, when you're like in the middle of divorce, right? You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, one last important question around contracts and agreements and stuff. And, and this is this has been really important and it even ties all the way back to the very first question. So you typically don't just get paid a fee. Um, meaning like hours for dollars or copy right, right. for Trading dollars, dollars or for hours. Yes. Yeah. Um, because even, even if you're getting paid a fee for writing a chunk of copy, that is another form of trading dollars for hours. You may it is. get it done quicker. Or, you know, someone uh, wants to send me out to do a training for a day or this or that, yeah. like it's all just basically dollars for hours. I mean, you can get to the point where you're charging a lot of dollars for those yeah. hours and maybe it's worthwhile, but so you also get paid on performance. Um, yes. So do you have, uh, for for copywriters who are listening to this, who say, I want to take a trip to Italy and Europe and um, <laughs> show up at spritzes home. And have yeah. money going in my bank account. I know it sounds um, like, it sounds like you, you can make money on the beach. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah. Can, uh, you, can you write a letter <laughs> like this one, Kim? Um, exactly. Yeah. Um, so do you have tips on royalties and performance compensation, including like how... How have you found it's worked best to uh, sell the idea to clients and how to structure it? Um, any any tips around that? Well, I mean, you have to present it as a win-win. I mean, most the most smart direct marketers totally get it. I mean, Phillips used to love Phillips Publishing. The bigger the royalty check they were writing to like a Jim Rutz or a Gary Bensavenga, the happier they were because they knew they were making a ton of more money, right? You know? Yes. And so it's like, we want to pay you lots of royalties because it means we're making even more. So, you know, it's, you know, a lot of clients kind of have this scarcity mindset and they go, well, if I'm giving you all this money, just a little side story, I have to tell, you know, Rodale Press was like this hugely successful, one of the biggest direct response companies. And there are probably a lot of reasons why they're now like a tiny shadow of their former self, if even they even exist anymore. But at one point they used to work with the Gary Bensavangas and the Jim Punkries and et cetera, you know, and make you know pay tons of royalties and then they hired this executive who used to be with disney and he's like why are these copywriters making all this money we can't be paying them a million dollars or this or that 
And then they started just hiring people with flat fee deals. And I was kind of starting out. So I did one of these flat field deals and I was like, it was a lot of work. But my point is, they just like five years later, they were basically a non-entity, you know what I mean? In direct marketing. Yeah. I mean, who was going to go right for them if it's just a flat fee? So I guess my point is, there's a lot of ignorance out there. And so you do, you're right. You have to sell the client on it, on what's in it for them, right? Just like if you're writing copy. And so, you know, what's in it for them? Number one, I become a partner with you in the success, right? I'm invested in the success as much as you are. Maybe, maybe even more because I want that yeah. vacation in Italy. No. And, um, you know, I really like apple spritzes. And so I'm going to be, you know, a vested partner too. You know, you only pay me based on if you're making money, right? Because you're, if this thing's a bomb, obviously you just owe me the fee and we're done, right? Oh, but although actually I'll probably want to come back and do another test. I probably won't even charge you. You know, you know what I mean? Like, let's test a different headline, let's different angle, because I really am going to be incentivized to get that control. And then when we do get that control and you start running it and it inevitably starts to fatigue, or there's another new angle that comes along, like, hey, you know, there's this new thing with toxins that we should write about. And then I come to you and I'm like, let me write a new lead and a new headline and a new email. And boom, now you're getting 25% more sales, right? So it's like, this is the beautiful stuff that can happen when you have a copywriter who is getting royalties because they're now partner. You don't have to go to some other, I need to find somebody to write a new headline test. Oh, I can't do it for six months. It's like, you know, it's going to cost a thousand dollars. Like, just call me. I'll do it. Like, cause I'm getting yeah. royalties. Right. So anyway, yes. I can just go on, but these are all the reasons why if you open your eyes and you work with, a, you know, and then the more they get to know your business, like the better, you know, they're able to come up with other things and you can hire them to write other stuff. And it's like, I mean, you're missing out. Like if you just want to keep going through the treadmill of mediocre copywriters that you can get for cheap, you know, and you think you're, it's like, it's like penny wise and pound foolish, you know? Yes. So anyway, yes. I feel a little passionate about this, but I, I uh, think there's a lot of companies that are missing out on what royalties can do. You know, you're, you're preaching to the choir here. I think that I know, I you attract really good copywriters when you're willing to pay royalties because or even good copywriters think ones, about this. Right. That are going to be yeah. really incentivized and be your partner. And they're not going to, you know, if, I mean, if I was getting like $200 every quarter, I'm not going to be like every time, you know, when you call me up, like I need another headline, I'm not going to like drop everything. But if you're paying me like 20 grand or something, I'll be like, oh, let me make sure I get this done like tomorrow. You yes. know, or something. You yes. know what I mean? Yes. Anyway. <laughs> so obviously you have a, a, a ton to share. Your emails are some of the best in the oh, industry you, for people who are, I'm speaking the truth. I, mean, <laughs> I really, it means uh, a lot. Thank you. So I want to, I want to point people um, towards where they can get more from you. And there's a couple different levels. I think everybody Everybody should go to, and these links are going to be in the description in this order uh, mm -hmm. for anybody watching or listening. Um, number one, you can go to copyinsiders.com to sign up for Kim's emails. And it's not just signing up for the emails. Uh, she has a free welcome gift that is the ultimate A-list copywriters promo checklist. And it's actually uh, five checklists in one, including two for research. Excellent. Excellent. So it's, a, it's such a, re I, I love those, I love those checklists because it's, 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 uh, it feels like a more useful resource to just be able to like point you in all the right directions. Yeah. Um, I mean, you just print yes. it off and use it every time you, you know, you write your copy and just yeah. go through it. And I mean, you know, this is like, you know, imagine having like Paris Lampropoulos or Clayton Makepeace scrutinize every word of your copy, just like I was telling you how we've always did our copy, right? Well, I basically yes. taken those things and applied that and put that into these checklists, you know. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah. So sign up, you get that right away. Plus you get the what's in Kim's mailbox, breakdown emails, and uh, the other copy, copy insiders. And then, yes. you know, and I definitely, you get my promotional emails from time to time when about my courses and other things, but, yes. you know, smart copywriters will read those and study them. Yeah. I never get the copywriters <laughs> who complain that they're getting It's like promotions. you're literally in marketing and you're complaining about a marketing. Yeah. Uh, so you also have, um, now I still have your, your virtual LA bootcamp intensive. Oh, wow. We're not going to point people towards on. that. Huh? Yeah. 
We're not going to pe- point people towards that. You have new training. Um, I that, do. That I just, just came up with my to... whole brand new um, Get Dangerously Good copywriting system, which replaces my copywriting velocity program. Although there's so much good stuff in the copywriting velocity that I added that on as a bonus to this. So like you get that in addition to the whole completely redone, updated, um, ex- expanded um, training on everything from, you know, the headline, the, you know, fascinations, the et cetera, closing, I know if we're going to say leads, and then of course, yeah. emails, um, and then kind of pulling it all together. Um, lots of examples, even some excerpts from my mentoring where I'm giving feedback on copy and, uh, yeah, a lot of good that's, stuff in there. That's excellent. So that's available um, your research beast is available in research your million beast, dollar control. Yeah. So oh. research beast gives you my own six step process that I use and teach my mentees for doing research. And it's again, anytime that I've shortcutted this, you know, it's like, it's just not as strong of a promo, but when you go through all these steps, it's like, you know, yeah. and it takes you from not having anything to having a copy platform and outline with, you know, four or five possible big ideas that you can present to your client. And every every A list copywriter that I've ever met takes research as seriously as, as right. Kim is talking about. Yeah. And then my million dollar control breakdown course is one that I actually put together during COVID. I had a small group of people who went through it, and now you can get all the recordings. But I took six of my most successful, longest running um, controls and just completely broke them down, like from. Here's how I got came did my research. Here's how I came up with the idea. Here's you know how I studied what I was going up against. Here's what you know, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like the recordings. It's like I don't know, forty-seven or fifty-seven different promo PDFs and split tests. There's written summaries of every you know every for every breakdown. There's even as a bonus, I have in that my personal finance broke down where I broke where I beat Jim Rutz and I go through that whole you know the three Excellent. years I had that with all the different split tests. So yeah, there's a whole lot of good stuff in there. There's even a royalty negotiation cheat sheet. Um, yeah. Excellent. And there's even supplement compliance training in that too. Wow. Awesome. Yeah, it's a so, lot of stuff. So you can so yeah. So the deal is because you're listening to Roy, and Roy is my good friend, and we have a history, you know, we've shared meals together and I miss hanging out with you in person. Um, you know, you can get two hundred dollars off each of those um when you go to my website and you go. You know, you can put in Roy 200. Yes. Say 200 off each or every one of those, however many you want. And they all have payment plans, too, that the discount um, applies to. That's excellent and generous. Thank you, Kim. Sure. So I'll include a link uh, to that. It's You can either go to kimschwalm.com and click yes. training at the top or kimschwalm.com slash training. Yes. And the and Roy 200 discount. Yeah, and the Roy ROY 200. Not yes. ROI like king. <laughs> um, hey, it's the it's the same same etymology. So the king um, fur. <laughs> yes. Um, I think that's what you need to change your name to now. Apparently, <laughs> my nephew had a son, and his name is King. I have not King. Heard. Yes, his name is King. Excellent. Yeah, it's uh, that's. I, I I'm you know no comment, but. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway, uh, well, my name is just secretly King. That's what I believe the whole time. I like time, it. I so, like it. It's a little yeah. more subtle. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, you can go to copyinsiders.com if typing that German last name is too hard. And you can get on my email list there and you can get the, yeah. um, the free and, uh, checklist, which is the ultimate five in one checklist. Perfect. And all that info is in the description with this episode. Kim, thank you very much for being on Breakthrough Marketing Secrets. Oh, it's so good to, to be here. I love what you're doing too. I know you share a lot of great stuff and uh, I'm glad to hopefully people got a lot out of this uh, interview. I hope they did too. Thank you to everyone who has watched or listened all the way through. And I encourage you check out Kim's stuff. She is excellent. She comes like she's bringing all the experience and has so much value to offer. Um, And so check that out. And thank you. I'll see you again in the next episode. Thank you once again for tuning in to this daily episode of Breakthrough Marketing Secrets. Remember, check out the links with this episode for even more value. Now make sure you like, comment, share, subscribe, and engage in every way you can to keep this show going and growing and delivering daily value to you. I'll catch you soon for your next big breakthrough.